This is Johnny McBee, and you're listening to the Burn This World podcast. We are here with Rick from Mushroom Head. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm perfect. Just living the life, as always. Um, yeah, that's what we do now is live the life. Yeah, live living it up. And I, you have <laughs> such a unique um, just thing about you that is so different from so many musicians' experience. One, you've been doing it a long time. How long have you been doing Mushroom Head? Um, it's been, see, we've got 21 years now I've been in the band. 21. Uh, and yeah. yeah, not only that long of a, of a good career, cause really your guys touring is still like really, really solid. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of bands that have been doing it that long, uh, don't have as, as good as solid numbers as you guys do. And so a lot of respect there. And not only that, but I do have to say, so that everyone knows, uh, Mushroom Head, one of my biggest personal influences as a musician uh, for my entire existence. So, <laughs> and the funny thing is Rick here is keyboard player. And that was the biggest thing that influenced me. If it wasn't for mushroom head, having keyboards in the music, the Browning as it stands would not exist. Cause that's why I started playing keyboard. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember you told me that story when we toured together, um, You'd said that you, you know, you guys, and I, and I would never have thought it, you know, hearing your style, but then hearing you guys every day, I'm kind of like, oh, I can, I can kind of hear it now Definitely. You know, with the keyboards and the way you got the layering going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was just, um, as a, as a kid, I was, I was listening to a lot of, uh, you know, me and my brother listened to, um, I never listened to Slipknot, but listened to a lot of like Mudvayne, System of Down, Corn, mm -hmm. all that, all that realm. But Mushroomhead was the one that had the keyboards as as a yeah. big forefront too um yeah and so really it it was a huge influence uh for me personally i love the choirs the pianos all that kind of stuff because it gave it more melody than what any of the other bands had as a layer and so mm -hmm. really mushroom had huge influence and so just as far as that goes um what what was the band that influenced like mushroom head to have that style of stuff in it back then. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the interesting part about <clears throat> my involvement um, with the band is, you know, the band's been together for like, it's going on 27, 27, 28 years. I, I could be completely wrong. Um, it's close to that. Yeah. It's about 27 years. It's gotta be by now. But um, before then I was a huge fan of the band. Um, you know, growing up here in Cleveland, they were like, you know, back then, like Nine Inch Nails was breaking, Marilyn Manson was breaking. Um, and then, you know, we had Mushroom Head here locally. So myself and like lots of other people were massively into that band, um, obsessed with them. Um, and then, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to hang around with the band in their um, early days too, helping with merchandise. But back then, um, you know, it always, you know, heard from, you know, the band members and stuff like mushroom head was heavily influenced by, um, you know, Mr. Bungle, uh, faith, more, you know, like Pantera, you know, stuff like that, like the heavier stuff. Um, but also, you know, how faith, the more and like bungle, like 
have lots of synths and keyboards and there'll be a, you know, a wacky circus riff, you know, out of nowhere, um, surrounded by heavy guitar riffs. Uh, the residence was also a big influence for mushroom head as far as the theatrics go and some of that weird kookiness. Um, but yeah, kind of, you know, all over the map as far as that stuff goes. And so before you're, before you getting involved with mushroom head, um, musically, were you doing bands with keyboards and all that in like industrial um, realm? Yeah. Be- before I joined mushroom head, um, originally joined on just as the, um, the record scratcher and the sampler guy, you know, I pushed the 808 button, <laughs> you know? um, and original, the, uh, keyboard, uh, player that started the band with everybody, um, uh, Schmatz, who's no longer in the band. Um, he was the, you know, the main keyboard player. And then live, I would do like accent stuff or he's like, Hey, this, you know, this was five keyboards to make this happen. You take this part, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. do this, you know, just do this, hold this C note in the song, you know, and then I'll do the rest, you know, type stuff. And then, um, since his departure, you know, I, I do more stuff live now. Um, but, um, damn, where the hell was I going with that? I completely <laughs> got off topic. Sorry about that. No, you're good. And because that's, that, that was my biggest concern whenever I wanted to make the Browning a full band. Cause I was writing Browning music for a long time, but I had no idea how I was going to pull off the layers in the music. Right. I was like, I'm going to have to have five keyboard players on stage. Yeah. And so, yeah, I used to have to do that. I used to have to have like <laughs> SP 808, a turntable, uh, freaking SP 202 and then a Nord lead. And then just like, <laughs> yes. and then, you know, nine times out of 10, it crashes. doesn't work. <laughs> you know, you're telling the band like, hold on, it's loading. Like, it's right. Just, <laughs> and luckily now with, uh, technology where it's at you can kind of you got a laptop anything that's like super hard or you know that you would need all that gear for you can just kind of sequence it and, and mm-hmm. sample it in an easier form or just you know kind of have it you know um you know just uh, on like a backing track or something to where like this is the complicated stuff you kind of just throw on there and then yeah for sure pepper in everything else live because you know uh ask any musician or anyone that you know plays in a band there's no way you can play like anything that's super technical and jump around and go crazy at the same time or else you're just gonna like make clunk 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 <laughs> clank you know? exactly um which i used to do i used to be super guilty of it and skinny used to yell at me all the time he's like i'm gonna freaking jump around hit the right note you know right. you just get into it and you're just like gling, gling, and yeah. everyone looks at you and like oh whoops especially um, with a, a mask covering your whole head yeah mask <laughs> the sweating the, the water drums now too and uh-huh. that, that, be, that became a big thing you know I, I i run and go do the water drums for certain songs and i come back and i'm like i'm dripping dripping with water soaking wet and I got to go put my hands on a keyboard and, you know, hope it doesn't short out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sure over the course of, um, you being involved with doing all of it, it just the technology, huge difference. Uh, mm-hmm. and so probably a lot lighter and easier of a setup now. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think my setup is an iPad, uh, <laughs> and it like, and that MIDI's out, you know, to MIDI controller and I have like, you know, a core gap and uh-huh. that's pretty much all you need, you know, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I'd rather beat up a, a $200 piece of gear rather than bring your thousand dollars synth out on the road. Yeah, know? definitely. And you guys have a lot of crap you bring with you. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. 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 It gets a lot real quick when you got eight people, eight people in the band plus four crew, five crew. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a big setup, and so that's that's a totally different realm than what like metal core deals with, you know? Like right, right. Like bands yeah, in, in my realm. Like, right, we're, yeah, we're a four piece, and then here's our iPod. Yeah, um, and we have what a merch guy in this iPod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Backing, you know, and so dealing stuff. with that because uh, it hasn't been like that the whole time. Like I'm as, sorry, what's that? Like that many people. Like um yeah, I mean back in the day, um before I was in the band, I mean they were up to like nine, ten members at one time. Cause back then they just had guys on stage just doing dumb shit, you know. They had right. one guy like juggling heads of cabbage like at one of their first shows. And <laughs> uh they had Bronson who was the gimp and Roxy who was the uh the dancing uh female to put it lightly um it was the 90s so it, it was pretty crazy it was yeah pre uh pre-cell phone era and you know you yeah get away with a lot, lot bit more show and you know get away with it um, yeah but mushroom Rush shows used to be very um very nc-17 to put it lightly yeah um but then as a teenager you know it was something that you got drawn to because it was you know it was controversial and it was shock rock and you know there was there was, it was just nuts but um over the years, um, it just, you know, metamorphosed into, um, you know, more of an actual like band and all the extra type, you know, people, you know, didn't become a thing of it anymore. So it's like now it's just a you know, completely different thing from what it started as. It's a little um, more concise and straightforward now. And yeah. Yeah, we we replaced the, the you know, I said the 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 silly antics you know with you know water drums. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and I I think that um, Mushroom Head a big because you guys have such a consistent fan base over the years, and even um, not only just fans of you but people that are just so supportive of of metal and music because mm-hmm. we've done two tours with you guys and. Still, right now, every tour we've done after, people always say, we saw you with Mushroom Head. So they're mm-hmm. hardcore fans that once they find something, they love it and they stick with it. Yeah, um, yeah. The only thing I can compare that to is, is um, is you know, similar to how the, uh, the ICP, you know, Juggalo crowd is. Uh-huh. You know, we we played a few of those. You know, I don't know if you've ever played the we did. gatherings. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, you know, like very similar to like you guys opening for us as soon as we played one of those, it was like this whole new fan base of people that are just, you know, diehard. They, they want, they, they want to find new stuff and they want to like, they want to be a Hindu into it and they want to be diehards. But yeah, luckily Mushroomhead has a huge, um, underground following. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, sometimes those bands, they become like the one hit wonders and they're, they sell a million records and they're, they're massive and they're huge. And then 10 years later, they're playing in front of 30 people. Definitely. Um, I've seen that quite a few times. Yeah. Mushroom. It's kind of always been, even though it got a mainstream break in the early two thousands with universal, it's still been very underground. So our loyal fan base, like didn't go, Oh, they sold out. and They suck. No, Uh they wrote a bunch of radio songs, you know, like how people are. Um, so we were, I think mushroom was able to like, save face when it wasn't on the major label anymore it's like the fan base almost didn't change yeah well mushroom head always kept the um the dark dirty edge to it um Mm -hmm. with the image and with the music itself the music's gritty you know it's not polished to the it's polished but not to the extent that is like radio you know right right and um there's the the band has gone through a lot of um like progression in so many ways that even I've seen um, 
in the past few years. But um, as far as just because I, I want to keep uh, talking about, um, you know, your experience through being involved in so long, because 99% of the people I talk to on this are not going to have 21 year careers in, in something right. like this. And so I just want to get some perspective um, of you being uh, having such a long career in the music industry. And so um, as far as it goes with the like more of the back end of the industry because a lot of people like me whenever i got involved there was still kind of cd sales but mm -hmm. over the course of even just the past 10 years or 12 years since i started um cd sales are gone like the so monetization is completely different now than it was even 10 years ago and so like going back 20 years um compared to how you need to monetize now like what is the biggest difference like back then the, like so 20 years ago where was the main source of money coming from for a band um i mean it's, it's always been for a band like mushroom it's always been the merch um you know luckily um you know skinny who's the the leader of the band he's always he always had it uh very well protected that you know uh merchandise was always going to stay in his control yeah um and and the band's control because you know some of those some bands they'll you know a, a label would be like we'll buy you out of your merch for half a million dollars and some people are just like fuck yeah you know and they're they take that money and then realize 20 years later they could have made tenfold that you know yeah um and they don't own the rights to their shit anymore um so um luckily you know mer merch is always um, help the band stay afloat. Um, and because of things like being able to sell the masks and, you know, and stuff like that now, um, it definitely offsets it. Cause you know, you're not making any, I mean, even when CDs were still, you know, selling pretty strongly in the early two thousands, like it wasn't making you any money. Um, cause I mean, you know, uh, probably, you know, like, like most bands, like when you make, you know, a CD gets made for a label, you're, you're basically paying off a debt. You're paying um, a lot through your more, CD, yeah. through your CD, yeah, through your CD sales, and they don't start paying the artist until you break even um, with your CDs, which some bands don't. I mean, some bands stay in debt till the end of time, and they don't. You know, they've recorded this big CD and it made it. You know, sold a ton of sales, and they haven't even gotten a dollar off it yet. And so, even even back then, when CD sales were a lot stronger, it, it used, mm -hmm. you bands were still struggling to recoup. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, it, it always seemed that seemed that way for sure, because um, you know it's so expensive to tour and to get the bus and to pay the crew and do all these things, especially when you got such a large uh, scale band like Mushroomhead, um, sustaining the underground wouldn't have been possible to continue this long if it wasn't for you know the merchandise. Yeah, and because like I I personally even stopped ordering CDs from my label um, mm -hmm. because I was almost losing money by the time I would ship it in and sell it. Uh, I basically had to have it on the merch table just for the vanity of like, oh, I can sell you a CD, but I'm making zero dollars right. on it. Right, right. And so, like, I personally even even stopped worrying about them live. Um, and because even back 
you know, we did a tour of Fear Factory, I don't know, it was probably nine years ago. And on that tour, we were selling like 50 CDs a day, 50, 60 CDs a day. Um, and like even now today, if I did a headliner, I would maybe sell like 10 CDs. It, it maybe. And so it's just such a big difference in the sales um, from then and now. And so uh, even in the early 2000s, you, the the merch was still just like the main drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's good to hear. At least it it's uh hasn't changed that much because I was even under the assumption that it was a lot more like it was easier to recoup because you were selling so many records. Um, yeah, I mean, just I mean, I'm not, I don't know all the um, you know, all the 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 gritty gritty details as far as you know what you know Universal spent and stuff like that. But I know it wasn't. Uh, I know it wasn't a little bit. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they put a lot of you know a lot of. Uh, like money in the room. Yeah. Um, and just for, uh, for other people, people listening sake, what, what we mean by recoup is basically the label will pay upfront for a record, say it's $50,000. And then you, they keep the major, pretty much a hundred percent of like album sales until they make mm-hmm. their $50,000 back. And so if you don't sell that many records, you never make that $50,000 back for the label. So you essentially never make money back on your records. And so that's what Correct. we mean by by recouping. And mm-hmm. still to the day to this day, the thing is, I think that today advances are a lot smaller. Oh yeah, um, I don't even I don't even know what what they are. But you know the 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 cool part is that albums are a lot easier to make. Definitely now. way cheaper to um, make. Because way in the you know in the early two thousands, it was like you had to go to the studio, you had to lock it out, you had to go to LA and mix with, you know, someone for, you know, a month, you know, and, um, you know, there was a lot more in it now, you know, mushroom head, uh, skinny was definitely very smart where, you know, anytime, um, there was, you know, fundage, you know, you would throw it right into mushroom Head's own studio, you know, which is, definitely you know, and that's still, so to this day, shroom is able to record their own records, um, you know, there, uh, you know, have to rent out a studio and, and blah, blah, blah. Cause that usually will put a lot of stress on it as well. knowing like, all right, you only got three weeks to, you know, get this done or four weeks, to get it done. That's all you can afford. Um, so the luxury of owning your own studio and which is computer recording in general, like the technology has gotten so good, um, to where it's a lot easier to capture your own quality sounds. Now it doesn't sound like a home recording. Yeah, definitely. It's huge. And I like even this new Browning record, I I recorded, mixed, mastered everything myself on like a twenty five hundred dollar iMac. Wow. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, your your albums come out pretty, pretty good. I listen, I do listen to your um, the, the Geist and then the most recent one. Yeah. Um, those albums are great. Uh, and the production on those sounds solid, too. Yeah. And um, it's it just goes to show like the difference of having to make an album back there and one now. It's like it. It, it's it is nice the modern technology but it's kind of a double-edged sword and you maybe have seen some of this as well of i feel that because it it is so easy to produce a high quality product that it has made like too much high quality products out there <laughs> uh right it, it's good because i want every musician to have the opportunity but as far as how many good bands there are now versus how many good bands there are were back then, did you see back uh, in the early 2000s, was there a bunch of really high quality bands out there that 
was, you know, touring at a low level that just never got a break? Or uh, did you feel that it was there was a lot fewer amount of bands like doing like living it? Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like back then, it, like labels were throwing money at everyone um, and they were putting everyone out on, you know, tours. And, you know, there's so many bands that <clears throat> you don't even hear of now, but they were on like all those, you know, festivals right next to us and, you know, had songs on the radio and all that. And you're just like, whatever happened to that band? Well, here, and that, here we go. that was a nice thing back then was heavy music actually got radio play. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Used to, and we used to have Ozfest and he used, there used to be summer metal tours now there's now it's just like locally based uh metal tours you know like um like you know there's not like the the oz fest anymore yeah definitely the touring like the big touring festival tours even even mm-hmm. uh uh yeah Ozfest was so big for such a long time and so huge for metal it was like a staple right. to play Ozfest and you know get good growth off of it but the last year they even did Ozfest, i i saw pictures of bands playing to like 50 people <laughs> yeah i mean geez we i mean i we got lucky we did the 2002 Ozfest, and that yeah. was and we did uh the states and overseas and still like crazy i was you know being 22 years old and like on Ozfest, like you know so that was definitely yeah and a uh, trip definitely. now you're just bummed out that this stuff doesn't happen anymore <laughs> <laughs> we still get great you know opportunities and still get to play you know cool things here and there but yeah it's just the, the the metal tour is not happening like the festival metal tours you know not happening definitely kind of kicked metal back into the hard underground um yeah it feels like there's a little bit of a revival going on right now um with the heavier music but um it definitely took the back seat for a little while here yeah and with touring like you said you were 22 years old doing Ozfest um in the early two thousands. I mean, that's, that's prime time <laughs> in all state. Yeah. Like you were the right age and the right time and the right state of the scene. Um, and so from being 22 to being, you know, 30, like 10 years after that, what was the big difference in like touring as a whole? Like what, what was the changes that you saw happen from, 2002 to you know where we are now like what do you see as far as uh do you think do you think that bands are getting paid less do you think that venues are getting worse or better or like what what are some of the changes that you've seen between then and now um yeah i mean the biggest change is like you know what what is a a big bummer is like you'll you know you'll play a venue and wherever somewhere in michigan and it's an awesome venue and a cool scene and every time you play there there's six seven hundred people and you you know eight years strong of like just crushing 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 and having like you know this your, your niche market and then the venue goes out of business or they you know they close or the promoter was a you know scumbag and took a bunch of money and ran off to barbados you see that a lot the, <laughs> yeah and the venue's no longer anymore and you're like and you you know you ask the agent like Hey, how come we're not playing that town anymore at that awesome club that we used to crush and make a ton of money in merch. And you feel like, you know, you're, you're actually, you know, doing something right. And then you're not playing those areas anymore. It's like, Oh yeah, well they're closed. And then the scene completely dies because of that. Um, um, we used to have a venue here in Cleveland called Peabody's and they were definitely like the stomping ground for like, Band, you know, metal bands to like, you know, rock it out and pack it out. Whenever um, we first started, that was always our best show was Peabody's. 
Yeah, and it was like a, the scene's pulse went through Peabody's, you know, local shows. You could be a local band playing on a Sunday, 400 people, you know. It's yep. like It was just that venue, and since that venue has been gone, <clears throat> you know, for so long, it's been, I, I said it the other day, I'm like, I, I, made, I always made the reference that the Cleveland scene died the day Peabody's went out of business and got bought out by the um, city of Cleveland. They didn't go out of business. They got bought out by the, um, CS, the, the, the college campus and then they turned it into a parking lot. Yeah. That, and that was the big thing. And, and like you're saying, um, even just cause they, like you said, they bought it out, turned it into a parking lot and they just did a building change and like a name change. And mm-hmm. even, cause the Agora is still a really nice venue. Yeah. Um, but it seems like once Peabody's was gone, like the, the crowd didn't fully transfer to the Agora. Right. Because the Agora is almost, I mean, that's just, it's too, that's too many people. It's too big. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. not the, you can't be a, a band that does 300 people and play the Agora. Right. You could be a band that does 300 play Peabody's and you feel like, you know, rock star. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so we definitely don't have still, I mean, there's some other venues, around town that are okay, but none of them just have the, that, that spark that, that, you know, Peabody's had. And that's what I've seen happen, you know, over the last, you know, 20 years, great clubs that go out of business, shut down, and then the whole scene dies. And then a couple of years later, you're in the same city at a different venue that just opened up. And you're like, why is it, why is it half the crowd? Like what yeah. the hell, you know? So like much like fans become loyal to bands, like sometimes, people just become loyal to a certain venue as well. Yeah. They, um, they like the bar there or whatever. And right. it becomes their, their normal stop. And yeah, yeah. We, we had a, it was early, early on in the Browning's career and we were a touring band, but not like a known band. But back then you could just be, Oh, there's a touring band coming tonight. And so it's like a big deal. Right. Um, and we did a, it was like a local band festival where the Browning, the touring band was headlining. Um, mm-hmm. and at the time, if we headlined, we would do like 20, 30, maybe 50 people. And there was over 500 people at this local band, like, showcase festival that the Browning was headlining. And so I think about that show at Peabody's all the time. It was always one of our best markets and yeah, absolutely loved it. And, yeah, you're right. That's happening all over. Like, Kansas City doesn't have a venue right now. <laughs> and even for the past, you know, seven, like, seven years, it was always the Aftershock. But the Aftershock mm-hmm. had nothing on the Beaumont Club. And so right. just moving to a different venue changes everything. It, it completely ru- ruined it. And the problem I'm concerned about going into the future, going back into touring, is pr- all so many venues we played are shut down now, like gone because mm-hmm. of COVID. And so I'm just right. curious, like, what what rooms are we going to play in some of these places <clears throat> Yeah, I saw a couple that a couple venues that I really liked that went that went out, you know, a year into the COVID. There's also a couple venues that I I was actually hoping would go out of business one day that went out of business. Hey, there you go. I actually because <laughs> you know we, I, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I would say sometimes you play those venues and you're just like, man, you know, it's it's better than a day off. At least we're making money, but but goddamn, I really don't want to play this club ever again. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, if that venue in Kokomo, Indiana shut down, I'd be totally fine with that. 
the <laughs> and I had a friend, I had another uh, person from last 10 seconds of life on a podcast and he said the same thing. He was like, you know, a lot of those venues I don't want to play shut down. So, but I think I know exactly what venue you're talking about in Kokomo. In Kokomo? Oh my God. Yeah. I, I think that yeah, that it was venue, the one where there was like a shooting across the street. Exactly. Or some shit. Yeah. yeah. It, I played that venue twice on good mm-hmm. tours. Both yeah. times, no joke, like less than 20 people showed up. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, we, that was one of the worst, one of the worst shows we had was at that venue. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and it was like, we will play, you know, we played Pierre's and, you know, um, Sauge, Illinois or something like that, which isn't in too far away, but or no, Fort Wayne, well, not sorry. That was not Sauge, Illinois. That's, um, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of pops. Yeah. That's St. Louis. Um, but yeah, Fort Wayne, Indiana, which isn't that far from Kokomo, you 900 to a thousand people at freaking Pierre's. Then we go play Kokomo, Indiana, or the promoter didn't even, doesn't even, that, I didn't even see a flyer for the show, no. you know? And then it's like 75, 100 people. And yeah. it's like, pfft, I was, like I'm honestly kind of convinced that they were using that venue for some sort of front. Oh, yeah. We we made that, that comparison as well. We're like, this has got to be a front because there's no way <laughs> you would want to lose that much money. And yeah. you have to, you have to really try to fuck up a show that bad exactly and like because some like the person that pays for bands to come they're called either a talent buyer or a promoter and uh they are pretty much a talent buyer they did no promotion (laughs) and huge room it's like probably i don't even know probably 800 capacity and i swear to god on tours less than 10 Mm -hmm. people super awkward but they're paying Mm -hmm. you a big guarantee and i'm like these people are laundering money (laughs) yes like for real right they're paying they're overpaying bands to come so that they can you know do whatever they're doing in the back because like you said the girl got shot across the street i the day before we had a show there someone got shot in the parking lot and so (laughs) that was that was why i was like oh this show's bad because that happened but it happened multiple times so really suspect (laughs) yeah I'm I'm not going back to there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm I was I remember I said too. I'm like this is definitely not the town or the club that uh, Beach Boys were singing about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um <laughs> yeah, and so uh the it's it's awesome that you have like such a long career in it and have like worked so many ways to modernize in different ways cuz I really do see what Mushroom Head is doing now as a very modern cool way of the concept um mm-hmm. ever everyone's still everyone's wearing masks on stage there's really cool lighting um you're you're watching a show it's it's a lot it's a it's a big performance and so like you said there's water drums there's a lot of people there's you know mm-hmm. these outfits and uh one thing i wanted to talk to you about too cuz um you were the one making all the masks and these masks are very detailed um, right, right. They're awesome. Um, well, I don't, I don't make like, I don't physically make them, uh-huh. but like, um, like we have a mask maker that sculpts them and then turns the molds over and then, you know, skinny will pour them, you know, I'll help you uh-huh. know, paint them, help, you know, if the tour is coming up, you know, we'll, <clears throat> we'll sit around and we'll, we'll put them all together and, you know, paint them, do all the accessories and everything. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, for, for the longest time, yeah, Skinny, Skinny and I were the ones like just kind of kicking off the tour mask. Now there's like, you know, other people that help out and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's but yeah, nice we to have, have help. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this kid, uh, guy Jason Kisner um, has been sculpting our masks for like, uh, it's been over 10 years now. And before that, it was Dave Greyhouse. Mm-hmm. And you guys do, um, there's a, a, I think the Mushroom Head logo is one of the coolest logos in the music industry. I really do. Uh, it's really distinct and, and yeah. cool. And yeah. you guys use that same logo in, in a lot of different ways in these masks. Uh, so it has an overall theme, but you guys do different costumes like per tour or. Is um, this- it'll change. Um, usually every time there's like a new album, um, you know, a new, a new image, new masks, you know, new outfits that'll it'll get, you know, um, you know, figured out and like, we'll come up with something and then we'll ride, you know, that out for that album cycle. Um, and then usually we'll do a trans, a transitional look where in between albums, we'll do something wacky and off the wall. Like for, uh-huh. um, the last couple years before, um, the new record came out, um, a wonderful life. Um, we were wearing the devil masks for like a long time. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of everyone's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. it's like it's just a transitional look. And before then, years and years ago, we were wearing like these baby head masks, you know, in between records. Yeah. And there's always been like a weird it's always a weird kooky look in between. Um, and then we always come out with a record and it goes to the more traditional you know, characters and looks that people are used to seeing, but just amplified, you know, more um, with the details of the masks. The X face was actually um that was that skinny came up with that one. Um, and it was basically originally when, um, you know, Slipknot had come out, um, mushroom Head kind of got put in an awkward position where they had to kind of like change the look. Cause back then in the nineties, mushroom, Head, you know, gas mask, pig mask, and, you know, clown masks and jump orange jumpsuits. And it was pretty <laughs> uncanny. So, um, mushroom Head did the smart thing, and they basically kind of just reinvented um, themselves. And then the X face was originally it came up with to kind of like resemble the death of the old look. Yeah. Like in car- like in cartoons. Oh, okay. you know, like yeah, that's a dead cat. They got the X's in the eyes and the tongues hanging out. Yeah, um, I never thought about that. Morphed, that's cool. Yeah. Then it morphed into the more detailed X face. Um, and then that just kind of became the logo to where it's like, you know, it's our you know, like Manson's got the shock symbol or, you know, yeah. it's like, or, you know, disturbed has like that kind of face, you know, or, you know, yeah. there's, uh, there's certain bands that got that logo where you see it like ICP, the hatchet man. Like when you, you see the little X face, you know, it's mushroom. Head. Yeah. So that's, definitely. And when it, it's a fandom thing too, because that's the easiest tattoo in the world for a fan to get. And, and right. it's awesome. You know, it's, it's cool. A, a lot of older bands really focused on that, having like these really marketable, um, logos that weren't just their name. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's awesome to have, have like a symbol logo. And yeah. so no, it's great. you, um, this, I'm sure this is one of the most annoying questions possibly asked, but I'd like to approach it in uh, maybe a different way, but really with the whole slipknot mushroom head, like, I don't want to ask like who did it first or whatever, but because I'm sure there's a million bands doing similar images and whatnot. Um, mushroom head was just put in a position where slipknot just freaking blew up. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, mushroom head just took the root of let's, uh, revitalize our image to be more unique to what slipknot is doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
so yeah, I mean that whole thing. Whenever whenever Slipknot blew up like that, um, like were you guys getting backlash from having like a similar image? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously you've, you've probably, you've probably seen some of it yeah. <laughs> on the internet. Um, you know, it's, it's still to this day, people are like comparing, it's like, really, come on. Like we got, you know, why is, why is ghost not getting, why aren't you giving ghost a bunch exactly. of shit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves ghost, but like mushroom, it still has to hear about Slipknot. Like yeah. people realize that, you know, kiss was around before then. And even the band, the residents was wearing like weird costumes. And, uh-huh. I mean, this is not, this is not new, you know, exactly. theatrical, you know, metal just happened to be, you know, in, in right around the same time, um, you know, Shroom was rocking that look since, you know, 93. So take that for whatever it's worth. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, but, um, but yeah, it's nothing, you know, and there's, and there's, and I saw like, there's like that slaughter to prevail. And like, there's all yeah. these bands now that are like come out and it's like, oh, they got a mask on. Oh, they got makeup on. Like no one's giving them shit, but I, I still got, <laughs> got you know, we post a tour. I still got to see some asshole. that's like slip notes better. It's like, hey, well, that's, that's great. Like you're allowed. I don't, Hey, guess what? You're allowed to like other things. Exactly. You know, we're not, we're not sitting here trying to be like, we're better or worse, or you should be, you got to pick one. Like there's a lot of room in this world for other bands. Yeah. Well, and especially with like, with being masked, it, it does give you more diversity. Like, um, it's not like your crap looks like their stuff or or any, any way, shape or form. And the music is so much different as well. Um, Mm -hmm. especially the music's not, not even comparable. I mean, if, if we came out like sounding like that, I could see that, but it's like a completely different band. I mean, mushroom. It's way more in the, in the realm of faith, no, more as to where Slipknot's more Sepultura, yeah, exactly, you know, or something, you know, but like way heavier, yeah. Well, and, and also the the uniqueness uh, of Mushroomhead is what always drew because I, like I said, I've never really listened to Slipknot. I've heard the big songs, but that's about it. But mm-hmm. Mushroomhead has such a distinct um, thing about it that always intrigued me, and, and it's a unique voice. Uh, you know, the, the singing was always very unique in the tone of it. Um, mm-hmm. and then also the, the keyboards and all of that always is what keep me listening to mushroom head rather than, uh, really a lot of other bands from back then. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure that's one of the most annoying things that gets brought up, but you know, I'd, every band has that annoying question that's always asked of the amount of people that ask me what freaking my band name memes. I, you know, I can't, I can't get past it. Uh, speaking, I always of, wondered that myself. It, it was completely <laughs> random. I was I was fourteen whenever I started making the Browning music like online, uh, uh-huh. and the name of the road that my high school was on was Browning Road, and oh. so the Browning that was it. And probably my biggest regret was not changing the name when I started doing the band seriously. <laughs> right? Yeah, because I remember because um, you know no off- no offense to the yeah, band, no but I remember like. When I heard when I heard the name and because like a lot of people I knew like were talking about you guys like in the underground yeah like oh it's been the Browning I'm like that's not a good name no it's not it's horrible <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me think of like someone that shit their pants exactly yeah <laughs> and, and but your music's fucking great I mean I love you know your guys music's awesome yeah um, my thought was there are worse band names like Limbisk yeah it's a bad band very name. true uh, very but very very true I would have had a much easier career with a better name that's for sure <laughs> right but uh i mean speaking of like mushroom heads a interesting name you know, there's a couple yeah. a couple ways that that can be um like seen mm-hmm. and i know that uh also 
I know that the originally one of the members was a, I think the one wearing a pig head was called pig Venus, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so is mushroom head a wiener reference? Um, it's not supposed to be, um, <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. it's one of those things where you can kind of take what you will of it. Like a lot of the rumors, you know, like back in the nineties, people thought it was, you know, because all oh, the band, you know, they're all into psychedelics or something, you know, so they thought it was mushroom head and it mean like, you know, to go on a trip or whatever. And then a lot of people were like, Oh, it's like the penis head or it's, it's like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, from the story that I was told, you know, the name, much like you say with like how you pick the Browning, um, the name wasn't meant to be serious off the bat. Um, yeah. Mushroom Ed kind of started off um, with people from other bands that were much popular in the local scene. And then they just did Mushroom Ed as to do something different. And the masks were worn. So no one knew that oh, they were opening up yeah. for themselves. Oh, so gotcha. they didn't know that it was like, oh, it's, you know. You know, Jason Popson from this band, it's Jeff nothing from this band and it's, you know, skinny from this band. So they were it was their way to like open for themselves and, you know, do this whole thing. And then it and then it just took the fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, that was like after their first, you know, show, the next show was like opening for Guar. And then it was like, (laughs) you know, and then it was like, you know, I I remember I saw a show where uh, freaking Manson opened for Mushroomhead. Yeah. Yeah. And so back then, um, was it cause right now I think, I don't think it's possible to just like do a show or do a tour and get notoriety, notoriety based off of mm-hmm. it. But back then, did it, did it seem more like more beneficial for to open for other bands? Um, yeah, I mean, always, I mean, to me, it's always, cause you know, if you got a great product, you know, that's, that's the best. Cause opening is great. Cause you only got to pay play, you know, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and you can do a great set in 30 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely. when you're op- when you're opening for someone, okay, okay, do seven bangers and freaking go. Um, that's where when you're headlining, there's more, you know, more stress on and, you know, keeping the show entertaining. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, we used to, you know, be on so many tours, you know, it's packaged with other bands and, you know, you just gain new fans by having a product that's actually good. Um, and then, you know, then people would be like, Oh, I've never, never would have even heard you guys before, but I was here for, you know, flaw, you know, or whatever, uh-huh. you know, whatever the bands, you know, that we were touring with, you know, back then. Um, so it's definitely cool to, be exposed to people that normally wouldn't listen to you, but because their ass is in this, the, the venue that night and they're there to see the headliner um, that they then saw you and they were forced. Cause we've had that happen a lot where you, know, you go to the merch booth and you sign and someone comes up and they're just like, man, I never would have listened. I never would have thought twice to listen, you know, to you guys. But he's like, I'm, I'm a fan for life. Now that was the coolest show. And, you know, and back and back then, what was one of the most beneficial things that you did with the band that seemed like the uh, the show or festival or the moment that seemed to be the most beneficial? Um, I'm so like, what exactly? Sorry. Oh, like, uh, like that was that. beneficial for the band, uh, as far as growth or like a really good tour or opening for a specific artist back uh, back in the whenever you joined the oh. band. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, things like Ozfest and stuff like that, where you know you're just thrown, you're catapulted right into the ranks of like, okay, you're you're up there with Slayer now, and okay, you're up there with you know all these other bands, so your you know your name automatically has like that clout, um, which you can't do if you just spent 
12 years headlining on your own. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, so and when, when with, you go out supporting other bands, mm -hmm. you're, you're adding strength, you know, as long as you're going out and you're supporting acts that are you know bigger than you, um, you're adding all that strength and power to your name, um, to just stay in the, in the ranks. Yeah. And, and as a, as a band that is so established, um, mushroom head does pretty much headline now, unless if it's mm -hmm. a, a really special something, uh, you know, like if you, if like you were doing that, a static X tour that has mm -hmm. been postponed or whatever, but in general, you guys tour a lot, a lot more than yeah. a lot of the bands that have been around for that long. Um, and so is there a, a plan as far as whenever things open back up, are you just guys getting straight back to touring again or? Um, I, I honestly, I don't know um, because everything's so, um, you know, crazy right now yeah, up um, in the air, like, you know, our, our European, you know, tours, you know, postponed for the third time now. It's yeah. Like, um, you know, and this static X fear factory tours pushed to next year. So you need uh, to get me on that tour, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> for real. We toured with Static X. We've toured with Fear Factory and we've toured with Mushroom Head. Mm -hmm. So no better band <laughs> than to do right. that. Correct. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll see you. I can throw your name in that. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And um, so and with what you're doing now, because everyone's had to figure up a new way. And it's it's crazy to think that a band like Mushroom Head that's been been doing it for so long and been so consistent now has to figure out what to do because of COVID. And so mm -hmm. your career has been flipped on its head because of this situation. Um, and so currently you're uh, running a haunted house. Uh, yeah. Um, so like, yeah, when COVID happened, you know, much like everyone else that's self-employed and tours for a living, um, it was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> um, I only, you know, cause touring, that's one of the back to circling back to what you said earlier about mushroom head, you know, touring so much all the time. And we do that just because it, you know, it pays the bills. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't make money sitting at home, you know, obviously. Um, and for us to do what we do, a lot of us don't have day jobs cause you can't, I mean, no day job's going to be like, Oh, you're leaving for another four, four weeks. Yeah. No problem. You know, like, yeah no real job is going to let you do that. Um, so yeah, I've, um, gone, uh, full, full force into the haunted houses. Um, it was something that I was a part of in the nineties. Um, I helped do a lot of stuff with local haunted houses. And then that kind of took a back seat for the last 20 years. Cause my touring schedule and being a band like mushroom head, we're always touring in the Halloween season. So, I never had the opportunity to um, grow that into something real. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I met um, this guy and his name's Vaughn, who owns this slaughterhouse down in Chippewa Lake. And I started working for him and doing some stuff like that. Um, and then when COVID uh, happened, I'm like, well, I can help even more now. Um, so then I went full force into doing even more with him. Um, and now we're actually together opening up a brand new location and I'll be, you know, partnered in with that. And then it'll be, you know, half of mine and I'll be running the show. Yeah. So I'll actually have like my own place to like run now, um, which is pretty, pretty exciting. And um, yeah, and that fits the 
that fits so well into what you already do as well. Right. And the, cause if you go to a mushroom head concert and you're watching on stage, um, it's, it's, it does look like something that could fit into a, a haunted house. Like really right. the lighting, yeah, the masks, everything. Yeah. And when you, um, and just the experience of like, cause I tour manage as well when we're on tour just to, you know, doing double duty. So I don't get bored. Yeah. Um, but having like that experience and like, you know, scheduling shows and, you know, dealing with, you know, people and, um, you know, things of that nature and like stage production, knowing lighting, knowing sound, um, doing all these things on top of makeup, costuming and acting. Um, someone like me is very valuable in the haunt industry because normally what I do, they would have like four or five people. Yeah, definitely. You know, like even down to Photoshop, editing commercials, running social media, like normally, you know, places they, they need to have like a whole team of people. And I'm like, no, I could do all that, you know? Yep. And that um, that's one nice thing about, having a long career and especially because I do feel mushroom head, um, as opposed to a lot of, um, bands is very self-contained in its operation. Um, mm -hmm. it's like kind of like the Browning. I do a lot more stuff than what most bands would typically be doing. And I feel mushroom head does the same. Like you said, mm -hmm. you're tour managing, whereas a band like you guys would typically have a tour manager for sure. Um, right. And so you're you're able to do so much stuff and you've also gained the experience to be able to do so much more stuff. And mm -hmm. so um, I, I can really respect that. And it's so have you always had this interest of like this kind of imagery uh, that had brought you even into Mushroom Heads realm and then also into the Haunted House realm and all that? Um Oh yeah. Um, I mean, just growing up being a huge, you know, horror movie fan, um, growing up being, you know, huge fan of, you know, bands that have theatrical shows. Um, so when I joined the band, it was awesome and it was easy for me to go. Yeah. I, you know, I love dressing up and, you know, and also having ideas as well, as far as like how my own character develops or, you know, helping, you know, with anything else, as far as like ideas, you, you going to do like film one day. Um, I, I don't know. I know. I know skinny is, is really um, <clears throat> getting into film lately. Um, you know, he's, he's got some ideas to do a lot of big things. Um, but he directs like all of our music videos um, and I'll, I'll help put sets together and things like that. Um, the most recent video, I didn't have any, uh, any real part in set building, but a lot of, a lot of the videos we've done over the years, I've, I've had a pretty heavy hand with, um, you know, the, the set building and stuff like that. Like the video for QWERTY, um, we did at the haunted house I was working at at the time. And it was actually one of the rooms that was in the haunted house that I made. And then Skinny's like, oh, this room works. Let's we just, we just need to make it like 20 feet bigger. So, <laughs> you know, they floated the bill. I'm, you know, flipping this, you know, room around and making it bigger. Um, but yeah, it was just funny because that video came out great. It was like one of the biggest, uh, you know, songs that we had since like solitaire unraveling. Um, but it was just really cool. Cause I'm like, it's a room in the haunted house I built. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, it all really does just work so well together. And, um, right. one thing that I, I noticed about mushroom head too, um, that most bands don't get, especially younger bands is being able to, um, this sounds bad if you're just a fan listening, but it's ne it's necessary for your favorite bands to be able to survive. You guys were really good at monetizing your band, your fans in a lot of different ways. 
um, like doing the VIP meet and greets. It's such a cool experience for the fan to be able to get on Mushroom Head's bus, take pictures with mm-hmm. them and all that kind of stuff. Like monetizing in special ways is so cool. And Mushroom Head does it really well and Mm -hmm. or selling the masks like that's that's a crazy thing for a for a big fan to be able to have a mushroom head mask is awesome and so right um like was that going the whole time or was that something that evolved in the modern world to try to make more money um Uh, it definitely yeah it definitely evolved um the last few years um I don't know how it even became a thing, which were the VIP. I think it's, I think it started with um, a couple fans got let on the bus one time to like, like get their opinion on some of the new songs that we hadn't like let anyone hear yet. Yeah. Um, and I think like, and then it's just like, I think just the idea of that, of like, you know, these fans are, you know, hardcore into the band. And if you can offer them something like that, I mean, I, if, if, if nine inch nails was like, Hey, it's, it's, it's X amount of dollars and you can come on the bus and get a photo. You're goddamn right. I'm buying that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, every fan wants to be closer to the band they love. So we decided to do something cool. Not just like, Oh, where you can meet us and we're standing behind a counter and then you just come in and come out. Like we make it real personal, you know? Um, yeah. With, and that, and that's what I loved that you guys did. Cause that's, that would, that's a, a crazy experience that would never happen in, in a normal situation. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, we, cause we played right before you guys on the tour and mm-hmm. <laughs> I would notice right before I was about to go on stage, there'd be a hundred people lined up outside of mushroom heads bus. Right, <laughs> and I'd be like, those like, people, whoops. yeah, those people should be watching my band. But I know that was that's the one bummer about it because you would hear, you know, you would hear fans and I'd just be like, fuck, like I want to see the shit, <laughs> I want to see the band, you know, before you, you know. And no, but I, I, like, I love it. I, I, it's so cool to, um, and smart because bands mm-hmm. really lack on extra monetization because mm-hmm. just based off of show fees and. Uh, you know, selling selling some merch. Smaller bands don't sell yeah. a lot of merch. Like you need yeah, extra it stuff. Helped. Yeah, yeah, it helped offset a lot of um extra expenses. You know, and just or it's like, hey, you know, this the VIP today paid the, for the crew. Exactly. You know, or, yeah. or bought a tank of gas, or you know, whatever. It just it helps with expenses, especially when you know diesel's is six dollars a gallon. And, uh-huh. You know, the bus costs yeah, the bus. a yeah. ton of money to leave. Everyone's that sees the bus and expects that you're like, oh, you must be millionaires. No, <laughs> yeah. we're not. We're not millionaires because we <laughs> we have to rent this bus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The uh, people think bands own buses. That is not yeah. the case ever. No, no, you're not owning a bus unless you're, you know. Avenge Sevenfold, yeah, you know, or or Metallica, you know, and even um, then they might be renting. Who knows? Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, you know, an average, you know, average bus is a quarter of a million dollars. You know, it's like, yep. and then you know, if it breaks down, I mean, you know, how much transmission is on that? You know, how much a tire? Like one tire <laughs> is like freaking fifteen hundred dollars or something. Like, yeah, you guys had a, you guys got in a wreck on our tour in your bus. And and you had to and got another one like right there to get everyone there, but I couldn't imagine yeah. if if you owned that bus, you'd have been screwed. You'd be screwed. Your tour's over. You'd yep. be so screwed. And so, yep. renting you you can the rental company sends you another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, you call up senators and they're like, hey, no, all right, they're like eight hours. Your your new bus will be there. You know. Yeah, and and really that stuff is not cheap. Like so on like 
on average with the bus because I've only rented buses in Europe, but in the States, like what is a bus rental fee every day? And it's, it, it varies. Cause you know, depending on what year you, you want to, you want a you know, 2020 bus or do you want a 2010 bus, you know, yeah. um, massive price difference. I mean, as soon as you get into a bus, that's like of that year, I mean, it's like double. Um, so we, we always had buses that weren't, they weren't, crappy by no means um but they were older um but you know uh, i mean are they like a thousand a day or like oh man it's probably i would say it's more than that because you're paying for the driver as well because you can't just have you can't drive the bus you know it has to be a you know a person with a cdl that the the bus company goes here's your driver it's mark johnson and he's 350 dollars a day and 350 years old yeah. And then you got to pay for their, ho- you got to pay for their hotel. You got to, you know, um, do all that. Plus you got gas and the expenses, but I mean, you know, for a, a tour that's like maybe four or five weeks, I mean, you're looking at like 30, 40 grand for just the bus. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. then you're not even getting into like the, like I said, the driver's pay is separate and the hotels are separate and it's like, it's a lot of freaking money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and if you make, you know, just example, if you went on a tour and you made a hundred thousand dollars, 75,000 is probably expenses. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going over, uh, we have a tour that we confirmed for July and, uh, total the guarantees are like 43,000 for a month but mm-hmm. the expenses i'm negative $1500 yeah <laughs> right and that's why you better hope you're selling that damn merch exactly <laughs> and, and so, vip meet and greets exactly and anything you can do you know yeah and that that's um, why it's so important and that's why mushroom head does do it right cuz also if you go to mushroom head show it looks like a hot topic of just mushroom head merch it's so mm-hmm. much merch um, right. and like, so like you said at the beginning, even since you got involved in the early two thousands, the merch hundred percent pretty much focus for that monetization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yep. it, it's crazy that even back then it was still the same. And even me right now, I thought it would have been a little bit different because merch is all it is now too. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 It's one thing that they can't download and they can't take away from us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is that you're, you, you're, you know, you're always going to be able to sell that merch. And luckily things like, you know, vinyl is like, you know, collectible again. And even bands are starting to like uh, push cassettes. Like we, we got, we've been pressing cassettes lately too. And just selling like limited versions on our web stores and just doing things like that to, you know, so skinny has ways to, you know, keep the lights on and pay the bills while we're sitting idle doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> no, Cause there's still a studio. There's still a, uh, you know, storage space. There's still expenses and, but yet your band's sitting around for two, two years, you know, yeah. it's like, what do you do? Yeah. You know? And I mean, you guys so. have, are putting out really good music still like the, yeah. you guys have no songs that- record. Yeah. Latest record I thought was freaking awesome. Some of the band's, you know, best work in, in a long time and then still haven't been able to tour on it. Like yeah. the album's already old now. It's already two years old. Like <laughs> Yep. And I'm I'm shit. in the same boat. By the time we start touring, <laughs> we're gonna be promoting a new record. And so I'm I'm probably gonna do like a part one, part two type thing and do mm-hmm. like a headlining tour where it's like the whole part as a tour or something. Right. But like, yeah. uh, you guys have gone through a lot of changes. Original singers, not in the band. Uh, mm-hmm. personally, the, there's still, 
the mushroom head still has a very distinct sound, even without the original singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys have done this rotation of, um, originally Jackie was just in the live performance as an extra for mm-hmm. certain songs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But now she's and then just kind of evolved. Yeah. yeah. Evolved over time to be a, uh, you know, the, the, the permanent, you know, permanent member. Yeah. And that's, I think that's awesome. And that's what I'm talking about evolving in the moment to come up with something really modern and working well, like go watch the new mushroom head music videos. They are, they're awesome. The production is really nice and it has just like this, the theme and this look, it's, it's all really good. I think the mushroom head has stayed modern, uh, and always progressing. And so like going forward, are you guys moving more with Jackie doing like a, a permanent vocal slot? Um, I mean, uh, with the new record, I mean, she's on, you know, quite a bit on the new record. Yeah. Um, and obviously in the videos that she's in, you know, she's been, um, kind of in the, 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 the spotlight of a couple of the videos. Um, I mean, mushroom is just always going to be mushroom. I mean, you know, it just kind of goes with whatever is, you know, happening in the band at that time. Right. Um, so as far as, you know, what the future holds, you know, I'm really, I don't, I don't know. We got to yeah. get on tour. <laughs> yeah. That's such a big thing <laughs> to um, find out. But what I did notice, um, is that one, once uh, you know that was going on? Uh, once she, she was started, you know, started playing with us live, I started noticing that like uh, females started coming to our shows a little bit more. Uh-huh. Like, like dudes, you know, wives would come to the shows with them because there was something for them to identify with. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, and uh, it just gives a whole thing. It's it's really cool, unique, and uh, just, it, it fits the band so well, um, and the emotion and the the melodies and everything that Mushroom Head has always done. So, I'm, yeah, I'm all Yeah, even about on the it. older records, um, there was a song um, called Mommy on the first album. It had a female vocalist on it, and then there was, uh, uh, let's see, we got this, the super buick there was a song uh, big brother it had like some some female vocals at the end and then um you know every every album there was always some kind of female presence on it it's just definitely a little more a little yeah. more uh deliberate now yeah for sure um, it's not just like a special guest on a song and it's a female vocalist like the song one more day on m3 was you know a different you know person back then mm-hmm. um but then yeah it just it just became the, the female thing became a little more uh uh, dominant on the the recent record. Yeah, and and that's awesome. And so, um, moving moving forward, obviously, Mushroom Head's big thing is touring, and so it it couldn't come soon enough, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so once once everything gets going, you guys are going full on back in the road uh, as much as possible. And uh, yeah, I mean, I as and do you think that with the band having settled into this past two and a half years of, you know, I don't, I don't want to say normal life, but figuring out how to live. Do you see it being possible that the band can go away from the, whatever they've built, like to be able to go back into touring full time? Cause I'm, I'm finding it hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to see time, only time, you know, like the age old phrase that the only time will tell, right? Know, like uh, we don't really know until, get the hell back out there or see what's even a thing. Cause what kind of seems like what's happening now is even though things are opening back up, a lot of venues are still iffy on taking the chance. Right. Um, 
you know, and if whether or not, you know, the, you know, you might play a venue in Texas where everything's fine, but then like the next day you're playing somewhere in California and they're, they need proof of everyone in the band and crew needs to be vaccinated or you're not playing, you know, right. so it's like, Oh, or you're, you know, you got a crew guy or like a band member that's not or, or whatever. And then it's like, well, you know, you're going to be missing shows, you know, because of this. Yeah. Or someone gets sick you know? and no one can go into the venue yeah, or, or no, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. One guy's, you know, got a, the sniffles and all of a sudden it's, you know, well, can't play. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it's going to be tough. I'm, I'm hoping by time our tour happens, all of it, all of it's over with. And yeah. it, big fingers crossed there <laughs> and yeah um but yeah honestly mushroom heads a band i i could tour with you guys a thousand times and i think it would always be beneficial you guys have the most dedicated fans i've seen of any band in in this realm yeah and so yeah I and i think you guys have done a lot of stuff right and you guys have gone through a lot of hardships too and still being able to make it make everything work and mm-hmm. it takes it takes a special kind of drive to be able to do it. And so, like on on your realm, being twenty one years in, it you always imagine you're going to be involved in music in some way, shape, or form because you you've also had side projects, Ventana mm-hmm. and yeah. other music projects. And so, do you see like even twenty years into a career, being able to do this in some way, shape, and form forever? Well, that's the, that's the, that's the million dollar question um, right. is, you know, eventually your body's just gonna, you know, go one way or another. I mean, I'm 42. My body feels like I'm almost 60 just because of the damage, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the years of like, I'm going to climb that PA speaker and yes, I'm going to jump off it and you know, I'm going <laughs> to do a front flip off stage and land on my head and then get right back up. And, you know, my, my body is definitely, um, in shambles compared to where it was. Um, you know, I don't think I'll be able to do this, you know, the older I get, um, just physically, um, right. You know, unless, unless you just, you know, cause you don't want to just be the person that or the band, you know, so you got like an aggressive character on stage and all of a sudden you're not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, it was way better when you were doing crazy shit. Like, yeah, I was 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, know, like, definitely. Like I got bad ankles now. (laughs) (laughs) My back hurts when I get out of bed and I sneeze and I throw my back out. Exactly. For some um, reason, when I sneeze, my elbow hurts. Yeah. Like really, I don't understand why. Yeah. In the winter, my left arm, my elbow hurts so bad. I can't even lift anything. It's from an injury like 10 years ago. And now it like hurts like a motherfucker coming back at Um, you. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, I'm going to do it as long as I physically can. And, even if I'm not in the band or whoever's in the band, I think Mushroom is always a band that will continue um, yeah. no matter what. I think I, I, I always been saying it like jokingly, I have a feeling that if everyone in the band right now is dead, <laughs> that, you know, like 20, you know, like 30, 40, 50 years from now, that there will still be Mushroom Head. Like it'll still exist. Well, the like masks get, help with that. Yeah. To where you can just, it can live forever. It can be a legacy. It can get passed on to, you know, next generations, if, if that in, in, in turn does happen, it has the ability to do that because of the costumes. Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel like you could always be involved in it, even as Mm -hmm. just whether it's management or design or creative aspects, it's, it's something because of the, the image that like really can. And so I think that's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
I, I think you guys are doing right. I, I, I know how important touring is for mushroom head. And so really, yeah. I, I can't wait for everything to get back to where it was. Uh, cause I want to tour with you again and again. And on that static X tour, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and yeah, so, um, I, it, it's, it's rare to get the, um, the perspective from someone that's been doing it so long. And so I, I appreciate you talking to me on here. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's, I'm glad that people, that someone cares to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I did something well enough to where it's like, Oh, I, I guess I matter a little bit. Well, I, I think that it's, it's important to hear where things were and how things have evolved. Like really you kind of did change some of my perspective, even on this with knowing that merch had always been that important. I thought, it, I thought it'd oh, be yeah. had been different. And so, um, I just want to do this to raise awareness to people out there, inspire people in certain ways. And so people should be inspired that you've been doing this for so long because they can too. Like mm -hmm. really it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I appreciate you talking to me and uh, I'll be hitting you up here soon about making sure we get some tours going for sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I need to talk to you soon about, uh, uh, I wanted to do it a while ago. I want to get a remix or something done or yes. uh, have you sing a, a guest spot on my other projects. hundred you know, percent. Yeah. And I, I need you to make masks for my music videos. Sure. So yeah, we're doing all this stuff together. hundred percent. Sounds great. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll talk to you here soon, man. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yep. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye.